Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Welcome back to everyone listening in. Today, we're very excited to have with us in studio Jenny Babcock and Paul Gabriel. Jenny and Paul are here today representing the Plymouth County Suicide Prevention Coalition, an organization that Linda and I are both familiar with. Paul, Jenny, welcome. Could you please take a moment to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Absolutely. We are um, uh, uh, excited to be part of this podcast and to be part of the suicide prevention world that we live in. Uh, Jenny and I started uh, the Plymouth County Suicide Prevention Coalition um, nine years coming up in June. uh, And um, we have, you know, started from the grassroots of reaching out to everybody in the community nine years ago and asking people to join us. And we've had such a great response from day one. And uh, after, you know, a couple of years of, you know, hard work and running the coalition, Jenny took over and we love the work that we have been able to accomplish with all of us uh, as a community. Um, When, you know, when Jenny and I say that we started the coalition, it really wasn't just the two of us. It was a whole community that came together. Uh, 50 plus people that were interested in mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, so we're, we're going on, you know, nine years strong. And we are uh, proud, to, proud to be part of the whole community, Plymouth County, North Fork County, and all of Massachusetts in doing suicide prevention and mental, mental health work training and awareness in our in our areas so uh, thank you for having us and um we're, we're we're happy to be here what about yourself paul are you a local guy a local guy yeah are you local do you live local where, so, where are you from local guy um <laughs> i'm i'm my 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 local uh connection is hingham i grew up in hingham uh so i have local connections to to plymouth county uh, I lived in Weymouth for a while. I've lived in Braintree. I reside in Abington right now, uh, you know, and, and have been all over, uh, you know, the, the whole South Shore. And um, it, it, am I local? Yes. Yes. I'm local. <laughs> you're local. I, I, so you're a local guy. <laughs> I am a local guy. Well, thank you for coming in today and thank you for sharing, um, you know, 
the information of the, the startup of Plymouth County Coalition. It's very important. We're very familiar, you know, with what you do. Um, we want the listeners to be able to also be aware um, of what you do also. Jenny, do you want to chime in? Sure. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'll say the same thing. Thanks for having us because it, anything we can do to get the word out, we're all game for it. Um, I am actually f- from Weymouth. I was born there, raised there, um, was there up until, I don't know, I was 22, 23. Ironically, Paul and I realized when we met through the coalition, we actually grew up a mile from each other. Wow. We went to the same church. We went to the same stores. Um, He used to come into where I waitressed, but we never ran into each other until the coalition. Mm. I am a mother. I have two children. Um, a 31-year-old son, or will be 31, um, and a 27-year-old daughter. I can get into that now, later. Yeah. Um, we're living in Plymouth now. I've been in Plymouth, I think, 23 years, I think. Um, I actually have a full-time job. I work in the financial industry full-time and do the coalition stuff. I guess in my free time. <laughs> full time too, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. Full time too, She yes. definitely does it full time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more, either one of you, about uh, the Plymouth County Suicide Coalition as an organization and maybe something about the services that you provide? Sure. Um, so Plymouth County Coalition Suicide Prevention Coalition is actually one of – 10 regional coalitions across the state of Massachusetts. Okay. Um, so every county is basically represented through the state. We fall under the Mass Coalition for Suicide Prevention, which falls under the Department of Public Health. Hmm. So the funding that we get that allows us to go out into the communities and do the work that we do comes from the Department of Public Health. Okay. Um, you know, so if you don't live in Plymouth County, you don't live in Norfolk County, you can go on the Mass Coalition um, for Suicide Prevention website, which is www.mcspnow.org, and you can find your own region if you're in another county within um, Massachusetts. And the good thing is Massachusetts is the only state that has this service from border to border. So we're wow. very, very fortunate, thankfully, from the money that we get from our legislators that we could go out and do this work all across the state. Yeah. What what does other states have? What do they provide? Is it like if Massachusetts has it from border to border, does that mean that every county has a coalition? Yes. In Massachusetts, yes. Wow. So the service is available statewide. It is. For anyone who needs it. For anyone that needs it. All right. Can we get into a little bit of detail? Because I, I love this, getting this information. That ma- it makes me excited that there's there's resources out there available that people necessarily might not be aware of. Right. And and it's it's necessary. And it is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, May. So we want to get that word out there a little bit more um, about the coalition and how easy it is to, you're accessible, right? How right. easy accessible it is to be able to get hold of you guys. So let's get into like what the coalition does what what services do you provide want to take that over sure <laughs> so so we provide a variety of, of services 
Um, so first off, and the most important thing I think to people is that we have resources, that we have connections, um, and we and we can deliver, uh, you know, options for people that are struggling with mental health issues, with you know whether it's in regards to any mental health crisis or it's a suicide prevention. Uh, we have resources throughout our, obviously, our community here in Norfolk County and Plymouth County, but throughout the state. Um, but we provide trainings for almost anybody Anyone. in the community. We have probably a half a dozen trainings and uh, maybe another half a dozen that are specific to certain, you know, maybe it's an industry or it's a profession that we can provide for the for the community. So some of our trainings that we do are specific to police, EMT, firefighters. Um, some of them are specific now to uh, other industries like construction companies who uh, we have been uh, working with that have a high rate of mental health issues and, and, and suicide, um, you know, uh, numbers that, uh, exceed what um, most of other professions have. So we, we, we deliver, you know, specific trainings for people throughout the community. Uh, and and it's, it's not just specific to certain professions. It's for the community as a whole. Yeah. What, what we realized when we started the coalition was that the education around mental health uh, was not there. It was just not prevalent. It was there was nothing going on that people understood about mental health and how it affected families and communities mm -hmm. and yeah. certain professions. So we wanted to really just open up uh, a wide range of many different trainings that would kind of get from the from the you know the roots of our community and train people or educate people on mental health throughout you know any aspect or any community or you know any profession it really wasn't specific to um, any one group it was just we understood that in order us to tackle mental health and, and suicide prevention that we had to offer these trainings to the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've been nine years strong, and we want people out there to know that this education is available to them. Yeah. So we offer several different trainings, and it's open to everybody in our community. It's not specific to any one profession. It or doesn't, group. yeah, or, or group. group. Right. It's it's open to everybody that um, that wants to learn about mental health. And yeah. the fact that our, you know, our our kind of our whole society buried mental health for so many years yeah. and didn't treat it like physical health, uh, that it was detrimental to many people uh, that were struggling with issues. So we just want to open up and we want to take the stigma around mental health and, and allow people to understand it and educate them so that 
people who are struggling can ask for help. Mm-hmm. Just if they are struggling with something physically, that we can help them mentally as well. Absolutely. We um, smashing the stigmas is something that, that we try to focus on regularly. It's it's very interesting the way. I mean, obviously the data remains the same, but it sounds like you you tailor uh, the education around mental health and and suicidal awareness uh, to different groups and, and demographics. And I'm wondering if you guys also respond in the, in the event of a suicide, if an organization or an agency experiences suicide, uh, are you guys able or available to go out and, and speak uh, with, with the coworkers or the families and assist them through that time? So we do get involved um, with families. I've done a lot of work individually with families. Um, I'll either get a phone call from maybe a school department, the police department, um, or even um, the hospital. You know, the hospital will call knowing that the family is going through a tough time, and, you know, the mental health department at the hospital knows, at, and I'm talking BIDH Plymouth, um, they know what we do in the community, so they'll reach out. And, you know, I've gone to houses the day of an event, mm. and I've also gone to the house a day after the event. Um, we do stay in contact with the family for a little bit, but there's also um, another branch of us that's starting to take place in our area, and we're forming what we call a loss team, okay. which stands for Local Outreach of Suicide Survivors. So it's just beginning on the South Shore, so there really isn't too much going on because we're trying to finalize everything, work with the different police departments, fire departments, hospitals, to let them know that we have a group of individuals who have been through an experience, and it's more to help that family cope with what they're going through, give them the resources that they probably don't know about Mm -hmm. and need to know that we're here, that there is help here. Um, But 99% of our trainings are free. They're free. That's the funding we get from the state. So it allows us to go into the community. Um, You know, we always say we want anyone and everyone trained. You don't have to be an expert to be trained. Mm. Yeah. Jenny, I love that you're after sharing that information about loss, um, the program for support there, especially if someone has gone through that. It's like sort of a peer support, right? But in family support. Um, as a family of, you know, I am a suicide loss survivor. And um, when we went through our um, tragic situation at the time, we didn't, we had nowhere to turn. We didn't know where to go or what to, we were lost, to right. be honest with you, for a very long time um, until we found an organization that could help. And, and you guys, obviously, um, I reached out to you guys very early in into it but as a yeah. family and a group and having someone to come and connect with us and someone that understood um that was missing that was a missing part of it for us you know losing a first responder and and right. specifically um so i can't wait to hear more about that um coming coming up in the future and um yeah maybe i'll be a part of it you never know we're looking for volunteers well they, well you don't have to look too far for that, no. for sure. I have a, a specific, I want to get into a little bit of something specific as far as your trainings. Um, 
you said we ha- you have like different models or different trainings for specific areas that you want to go in and train like schools or departments and police departments and stuff like that. Can you get into like like say trainings for schools? Like what do you what do you offer? Like I'm going to I want to get into all but I want our listeners to hear all you have to offer about trainings, not just hear about trainings, but also like what they what you have to offer in those trainings are they specifically modeled like for schools is it for kids getting trained or is it for faculty like for teachers getting trained or is it is it what's different about it if it is yeah excellent question so because of the the, the vast um, variety of trainings that we have that's a, that's a great question Lynn. so to start with you know, from the ground up, our basic trainings of what we call Suicide Prevention 101, which would be two different trainings that we do. One is called QPR. It's question, persuade, refer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, you know, a evidence-based program that's been around for many years. It's an hour-and-a-half program that we can deliver just to give any – any gatekeeper in our community, and when I say gatekeeper, anybody that is in the position to help others. So, so we we have that program to start, and then we have another one that's also a, what we call a suicide prevention one hundred and one, a little bit more on the mental health side of it, which is called Talk Saves Lives, and the title says says it all. You know, talking about mental health and talking about suicide can save lives. Yes. We have to destigmatize what is going on in our communities and our our people that we care about and our families and our co-workers to destigmatize the you know the 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 thought around mental health and and suicide so those are kind of where we start with our trainings and that's open to anybody in the community we can bring that to school systems to train their staff, we can bring it to community members, we can bring it to anybody that is interested in just anything about mental health and suicide prevention. Beyond that, we offer several other programs. One of the ones that we deliver is called Mental Health First Aid. Mental Health First Aid has many modules. When I say that, I mean we have a mental health first aid. The basic, the, the basic training is for anybody to learn how to deal with somebody in a mental health crisis and how we ha- can have some simple steps to help that person and what we can do to make them or help them, I shouldn't say make them, but help them understand that even in a mental health crisis or even a mental health diagnosis that there's recovery and there's mm-hmm. options for them to recover from their mental health issues right. that is a full day training that we offer and that's also non-specific to any um, profession but within the mental health first aid training we have modules that are specific to first responders specific to our elderly community, meaning people that work with elders. We have a youth mental health first aid, which is for people that are working with youth. And there's also teen mental health, which is actually training teens about mental health and how they can help other people. 
So there are clear, you know, steps or, or, or situations that are modules that we can offer to the community. Hmm. And then beyond that, we have more intense trainings that are, you know, maybe a full day or two day training on teaching people how to do interventions. Yeah. Not specific to any profession because in, in this field, you can help anybody that's struggling with a mental health um, you know, concern or a, a mental health issue or even a mental health diagnosis without being a professional in the field. There are many things that you can learn and educate yourself on to help others without being a professional in the field, meaning a psychologist, a counselor, you know. Yeah. So... So we also have programs that are offered to uh, the the youth in our in our school system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two or three programs that we have adopted uh, that we offer free to any school system in any of our counties that help the kids understand about mental health and the education on that. Can I can I get in there and and just emphasize also again that and clarify for our listeners all of those trainings that you do are free absolutely yeah and if it's not money that comes from our very small stipend we get for our coalition which we're happy to have yeah we do fundraisers all year long and we have other people that are lost survivors Mm -hmm. of suicide or families that have struggled with mental illness that donate to our coalition and to our cause, and every dollar is spent on education. Yeah. So we are able to offer to all the school systems in our areas free trainings for staff or you know, for the students at the schools. Yeah. So following up to that, do you see yourself, I mean... No, we're we're hope beyond the badge, right? So we 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 obviously we want to talk about first responders and what you offer first responders in 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 that area, but it's Mental Health Awareness Month, so I'm gonna bring it all in um, today because very importantly too, I'm very passionate about you know mental health in general, um, well being for starting from the bottom up, kids right in schools where there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And um, people struggle a lot, and like bullying and that type of stuff going on in schools. So, do you see that popular? Like, I, I'm going to start at the school area, and then maybe go up to other professions. Like, is is your service that you provide for free? I'll say it again. Um, is it popular within the school systems? A simple like, yes or no. Would well, be no. Be no, okay. And why? Why do you think that might be? Well, we were actually Paul and I were talking about this earlier because the schools have to develop their curriculum early. Yeah, and they never think of us until later in the year. And then when they have those professional development days, they can't always get us in. Yeah. So we have been involved in many schools within Plymouth County and Norfolk County. Um, most recently, we're doing a lot more trainings in 
Plymouth and Norfolk County, specifically at the school level and at the town level. We're training a lot of town employees, um, or I should say Paul is because he's doing all the training for <laughs> <Yeah>. me, <laughs> um, you know, with town employees. But, it, you know, sadly, Paul can even talk about this. Sometimes the schools are not proactive. Okay. It's after the after they have an event. Yeah. Mm. Then they'll call us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have experience in that myself. That's why I'm asking that question, you know, being involved in, in my town uh, a number of years ago in, in the CPAC and became involved with CPAC because, you know, I had a, a young child um, at the time going through a really diagnosed anxiety disorder that was very debilitating um, for her and it was really hard to, you know, to get the, the help in school within the school and it was definitely struggle as a parent and not knowing where to go I was relying on the school the professionals right in school to to be able to guide me and and you know it, it ended up being in a crisis you know uh she ended up being in a crisis ended up having to do outpatient treatment for during a vacation for a number uh, you know a number of weeks so um but it I I'm gonna put it out there put myself out there Schools need to be, every school should take advantage of this. And I know as a CPAC that we used to run um, different events and have speakers in and events like that, trainings um, for the community and also for faculty where they would get extra credits or whatever that they needed to be able to get, right? But we used to hold those events after school hours so they didn't interfere with the curriculum that they were teaching during the day. Well, um, why not then organize it, reach out yourselves, get a group of people and, and have Plymouth County in to teach you about, about mental health and, in your classrooms. So I just want to start to say that. No, um, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I will say um, last month, I think it was, I, I'm losing track because we have been very, very yeah. busy. But the Pembroke CPAC invited us yeah. to do a QPR training at the Pembroke Library. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the busiest trainings we had had in a long time. And sadly, it stemmed from Pembroke losing a youth back in um, June. And that mm. family helped us set up this Put training. Put that together, yeah. Because of the, f the funds that we received in memory of their son. Mm. Yeah. And we had a lot of school personnel in that training. Yeah. And they came up to us at the end and said, we need to bring this to our community. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember as a parent being on CPAC and, and I was the, you know, the mental health um, resource person for a parent who was struggling um, to get information. So I was became the parent that they would reach out to. And it was so hard to, to you know, be able to get information from the school. So I know there's lots of that stuff ha happening in schools and parents don't know where to go. And this is an ideal situation to... You know, if the if the faculty is not, you know, won't get trained, well then put that information out there to say, hey, we're running a, a, a mental health first aid night and it's open to parents in our schools and uh, in the evening time, come come along. And um, so I urge you all to s reach out to them and um, take advantage of a free training. Mm. That's very valuable, for sure. Absolutely. So that's the schools, right? And in mental health um, for state, and I know QPR. I recently got certified in QPR um, by Plymouth County and mental health for state um, for teenagers. And um, I also hold uh, the the regular one, not just for teens, but the regular 
and assist in suicide intervention. So a lot of certifications um, to be had out there. And it's just, again, for my passion and knowledge to gain information, like what you said, Paul, I don't have to be a psychologist or have a degree in that profession to be a good listener and, um, and to be able to help someone because we all can, right? So, um, yeah, I, I love that idea. Let's talk about first responders. Like, what do you, when you're doing a training for a first responder community um, or culture, what do you do um, in, in that case? Do you go into, do, is there trainings that you go into the departments or you hold events where they can come to you? What's the usual? What's the norm? So if I, if I back it up, if I back it up a few years to talk about, you know, Beyond the Badge, which, yep. which is your, your podcast, and, and first responders, and I'll even take that one step further with our military, which a lot of our first responders have come from the military. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a culture that is hard to reach and hard to train for us. Because of the stigma, because of the feeling of maybe the nature of the job that a first responder has or someone in the military has, the bravado of the job and the, 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 the feeling that if they are struggling, they don't feel comfortable reaching out because of the repercussions of what it might mean to their career. Yep. Their job, their family, everything that's around that. Yep. Unfortunately, statistically, we lose too many first responders to suicide. We lose more police officers um, a year um, by death of their own hand than we do in the line of duty. Yes. And even to think about that for a second and take a moment of what I just said. And think about that and why and what happens. Why is, that, why is that even something that we need to speak about? So with that said, the trainings that we have delivered in our county, upwards of close to probably 1,000 police officers and first responders, we love being there for them. Yeah. Even the trainings that we do are difficult because it's difficult to get that profession, that type of person that it takes, that special person that it takes to be a first responder. Yeah. To open up and communicate is really tough. Mm. Since we've been working with first responders for about six years now, we've seen and we realize the change that has happened and the change has happened from the top down where there are more programs that are available to first responders there are more ways for them to communicate their feelings without being judged without being looked at as they're weak so we've seen a great change. Is it, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But what we're, what 
we're thrilled about and excited about is that we have police chiefs in our community. We have people that have retired from our first responders and have stayed in there and helped, you know, our active first responders with mental health, realizing that it's a real issue and a real problem now. Not that it's a punishment if you're struggling with a mental health issue. And if we want, and this goes out through really anybody, but if we want to realize that a first responder is going to be better at their job, their mental health has to be well. And if it is not, for whatever reason, whether it's personal reasons, whether it's something that happened, you know, in their job that has a, a traumatic event or whatever it is, that they have outlets now to speak openly about mental health. We feel that it's it's improving, and we feel that the trainings that we have offered them allows them to speak freely. Yeah. In, 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 in our groups, they open up. They talk about their issues as we're going through the training. Mm. They talk about the barriers that they face. But we've definitely noticed a change where first responders have an outlet if they need it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're still kind of reserved about it because they're afraid of the repercussions of what might happen to their yeah. yep. job like and the, the security the of their job and their <coughs> families and their yeah. financial status if they're you know, either put on leave or you know, removed from active to a desk job. or, But we've, we feel that we've definitely from five years ago when we first started working with our first responders, in, in particular, you know, the police um, is what we've done most of the trainings with, that they've been able to evolve into a culture that accepts the struggle of mental health mm-hmm. and you can Absolutely. reach out with without the repercussions that were there five years ago or ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I love that you're you're I love that you're you're saying that, Paul, that they're you see them open up now compared to maybe a couple of years ago during trainings. You know, and I get it, like some folks are still nervous and especially a first responder, still nervous, opening up and reserved, sort of like a little bit guarded, you know, do I or do I not? I want to, but what's going to happen afterwards? And and that's why I'm really here is to get this information and to share and get it off my chest, right? And it's an opportunity for them to do that, but still guarded at the same time. So, yeah, I I, I hear it um, very much so, and I'm glad to see that you going in there, doing those trainings in, in that culture, that you actually do see an improvement from a, a number of years ago, and I think Jay wants to chime in here because this is his, this is his baby. Well, I, I just I thought that what Paul was sharing was was very insightful, and and um, yeah. and I I agree with it. It's I've often said that if we could get the culture of first responders or the individual first responders to respond to their own crisis the way uh, that they're committed to responding to the crisis of others, we we would see great change. 
So I, I think I heard you describe in first responders as like the most difficult community or culture to, to reach and get to open up. And I wonder if there is a most vulnerable community. Is it our children? Is it somebody else? Or is that a myth? Uh, nobody's more vulnerable than the other in, in, until uh, maybe suicidal ideation comes upon them. So that's a great question, Jay. In, and in our world, we're all vulnerable. I think that whether it's our youth, you know, and, and us as in this room as parents, whether it's our, our, our youth and our kids growing up, or if it's our connection to our profession, whether it's first responders or it's military or whatever background we have, um, whether it's even a, a community of um, higher risk, you know, uh, LGBTQ community, whatever the, whatever the connection is to the, the, the situation where we look at numbers and we say, well, this, this rate of suicide is higher mm-hmm. yeah. in some respects. It, it, it doesn't – there's really not a divide, you know, there's no socioeconomic divide. There isn't a culture divide. There, it, you, know, it, you know, suicide and mental health, um, you know, concerns. It's really not biased to any culture, it, it right, really, or any group. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, and I know and I'm thankful that, you know, that, that both Linda and Jay are here representing um, our first responders and our military beyond the badge, beyond, um, you know, what we see as strength in our community. Yeah. When you look at that badge, but the weakness there of just the feeling that if I'm struggling, I cannot reach out because of the badge that I wear or the profession that I'm in, even as a, counselor or a psychologist am i able to if i'm struggling say i you know i have a mental health issue i need to get this taken care of because well i look weak as what i do in a profession yeah you know so imagine that factor of a first responder who's protecting our community and has to say and speak openly about struggling with a mental health issue and i always say this when jenny are working with our first responders if you are relying on somebody to protect you and protect you as the partner that might be in that car with you responding to something serious or in the military and you're on the front lines don't you want the person that's next to you or your partner or yourself to be at their best mentally. Yes. To yeah, 100%. 100% to be yeah. able to do what they were trained and what they want to do to help you. And the fact that they feel they can't speak up about it. Yeah. And 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 in the and the fact of it is if people actually reached out, most situations wouldn't reach crisis. Yes. Yes. And, and, and in, in with the aid and the help of all the resources that we have, and we're lucky here in Massachusetts, and especially on the South Shore and Boston area, we have great resources yes. that somebody 
that might be struggling could be well mentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that when they're called on to be a first responder, they can be at their best. Yeah. And it's a shame that they feel they can't reach out. And that's our message, that really, is. to be on the badge that we want people to be able to feel comfortable asking for help. When I first started doing the trainings with the first responders, I gave out my card because I don't work with an organization that asks me to report. And I had so many first responders, especially police officers, contact me directly. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for them, it was for somebody in their family that might have been struggling. Yeah. And, And they felt like they couldn't do it within their own organization. Yeah. That they could do it to me privately. And that made me feel really sad that they yeah. couldn't go to their own superior within their department and say, I'm struggling. Yeah. Or my kid's struggling. Or my wife's struggling. And it's affecting... And, I'm having a, and it's affecting me. Right. It's affecting me on my job. I want to be the best I can be. Yeah. This is what I signed up for. Yeah. So I think it starts from the top down. Right, Paul? Absolutely. Um, like what they... What they're... In their, I mean, Jay can speak on this a, a little bit better than me, but just from my own experience, um, we're losing Alex, you know, and just in the culture of getting to know a lot of first responders who come in here um, and, and visit us here. But basically, it starts at the top down. And um, for sure, if, if we talked about it in our own interview last week, if a first responder is wants to seek help, but he has witnessed someone previously asking for help and they didn't get it or they were punished because of it or their gun was taken away or whatever I'm just talking about in, in the police department. Well, guess what? They're not going to, if they've witnessed that in their own department, they're not going to go because they, they believe that it will happen to them too, right? Of course not. But if a first responder um, witnesses support, right, on the, the, the backside of that, if they witness support, well, then... And, and that person got help, well, then they're also going to believe that they're going to receive help too, right? So it really starts from the top down on what they see and what they observe. And first responders are very observant, right? Mm. So they they take in all of that, um, what's around them, and they note it in their head. And, um, yeah, so if, if it's in the culture and an environment that they witness that th- does not help re- really given or there's judgment stigma there um they're not going to ask for help so it really comes from the top down like the guys there at the top saying yeah i'm here to support you and and make it be known and it just starts off with one guy going to seek help and getting it and then it'll trickle into the whole environment to the whole department to say yeah we have a supported boss here you know what i mean um and it's the same i suppose in any job right or any environment but in a police officer's thing where they see in first response in general they see so much trauma every day and they pick up something on every call that they go on and those calls bad calls good calls whatever it might be something big that they pick up or they might be it's something small but they pick up something and it just cultivates it gets bigger and bigger over time and um and that's where we're at. We want to bring that awareness to that, that that's what happens. And um, before it gets into a crisis situation, you know, letting, tackling one department at a time, you know what I mean? And being able to approach one department, it'll only take one chief to make the first move to say, 
I'm here to support mental health in my department and my guys and 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 that's where it's going to be and then the word will get out there and I'll make known of it for sure. <laughs> you want to chime in, Jay? Well, well said. Let me say one thing that you just uh, just chime in and one thing that you yep. just said. Whether it's a big thing, an event that a police officer responds to, or it's a small thing, yeah, it does not matter, yeah, because small to somebody else, yeah, might be big to somebody else, yeah. So why do we even have the barrier of what is a traumatic event for one, and not a, tra- tra- a traumatic event for others? If we just offer the peace of mind to our first responders, to our police officers, to be able to talk to somebody without any repercussions, without it filtering out through the rest of, you know, the department and yeah. the higher up, just and even if you had to make it mandatory that once a month you have to go and speak with somebody that is you know, non-judgmental yeah. and that is non-biased yeah. and that does not have to report back but just gives you that opportunity to release yes. whatever you went through in that month. Good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Why don't we just allow the people that are important in our lives that have meaningful jobs in our community and deal with trauma just be able to, on a regular basis express what they're going through to someone that they can trust and 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 let go of you know what they're carrying feelings yeah you know and and how much better does that make that first responder that police officer as a person as a whole person how much better and more efficient will they be at their profession, if they're able to talk about what's going on, yes, rather than keep it inside, yeah. I think there are good chiefs out there, and I think that yes. that we're seeing that change come as well, yeah. and they're going to begin setting an example for for uh, how to treat their their members, their first responders, their cops, their firemen, their, their firefighters, their ambulance workers with compassion and respect uh, as as they should be. And uh, to to step back to the points that you made earlier, Paul, like the the benefits are clear and they're measurable and uh, they spread throughout the community. There is no downside to having having a first responder out there at their mental best. There is no downside. Do you get a lot of invitations like from departments seeking you to come in for trainings or... Do you find yourselves that you have to reach out to say, hey, we have this training, and then maybe a first responder will go on his own time? Are, are, are you able to go into departments? So interesting when we, if, with that question, if we go back to the five years ago when we started working with first responders, yeah. mostly police departments in our county, it was based on an, an initiative. Um, Jenny, what was the... The one one mind, one mind mission, mission uh, that was initiated uh, throughout. I don't know whether it was it's the police chiefs association. The police chiefs association. So the police chiefs association put out the the initiative of having officers trained in mental health. 
So it came to us. In anything that Jenny and I do, we are not salespeople. Yeah. Because we're not, it's not a money maker for us. It's an information and an educational service that we give to the community. Yeah. So we're not salespeople, although when someone reaches out to us, we will try to offer all and anything that we can do for a community, mm-hmm. whether it's first responders, school systems, or just you know, or, or just community members. Yeah, and I don't mean just community members. I love when I have people in the community that care about mental health. Yeah. So with the first responders. There was that initiative that got us in there. There were many people that in our trainings came up to us afterwards and enjoyed the training, thought it was helpful, and brought us to other communities, brought us into other areas of our county that we started training. We, We don't have... We don't have a negative response if we reach out, but it's a very hard um, profession to to train without the initiative that they originally had because they had to train so many officers. Yeah. But can I ask you that? Yes. Do you feel that they had to train? That makes me feel that it's like the the police chief association or whatever that you the word that you used earlier on that makes me feel the way you're saying they they had to they had that initiative right that it was like check off the box yes right. basically we have to do this because we're checking off the box type of thing which was fine with us because any way we can get in there for us is great so check off the box i love that and by checking off the box we received other trainings okay to do yeah it's it's very hard to um, organize a training just because of time and a and they're already as as you might know they're already the staff is low on first responders yeah and new recruits are low so in order to do a training and pull you know 15 to 20 people out for a six-hour training mm. is tough because how do you pull that many first responders off of the roads? Yeah. And they're, and they're very, you know, the schedule is already, you know, tight. So even though we had a, a good response from the trainings, it was hard to get in there and say, okay, if it's not in the initiative where we have to do it, how am I going to give up 12 of my officers? Yeah. For a six-hour training, seven-hour training. That's when we brought in other communities, so it wasn't one town. So oh, you I know, see. if yeah, we yeah, did yeah. the training in Bridgewater, we had we had Braintree, yeah, we had Cohasset, we had okay. Duxbury, and we so some coming from all towns. You could only get a few from each. Yeah, so it's hard to oh, organize. I see. Okay, I will tell you though, and uh, honestly, Linda, people. They were very receptive to having more mental health trainings. The culture is changing within the police departments that this is a good thing. It's how to implement them and how do we do it so that we can organize it without taking away from 
what they need to do on their yeah. job. And there isn't an excess, and I'm sure you you know understand this, there isn't an excess of police officers in towns yeah. just to fill in, you know, shifts that yeah. are, you know, anywhere from 8 to 12 hours for yeah. these guys. Yeah. So, so they're open to it. Yeah. We did get in there because of the initiative, but how do we reach out and communicate to them that we offer these and we'll offer them for free? How do we offer it and how do we organize it so that, again, we can, can still function in a department, yeah, we right? can use eight towns in the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we pick one town where everybody meets and we get two from here, three from here, four, you know, whatever yeah. it is that you can, you know, give us for the day. So yeah. it, it, there was no negative response to yeah. it at all, only and positive. And I, and I was very happy to see that. I'm glad to hear that, Paul, because I feel that there is there is so much like mental health right struggles within first response community that um, they see it right. They see it in their peers. They whether anything is done about it or not, they see it. So I'm glad that they they open to to those trainings, and I totally get it now that you're after explaining. You know, I pictured like, yeah, we can go into that department and hold a train, and why not? But I get it. They 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 have to still have their man on the shift out in the roads and protecting the the community. Um, but what I would love to say, I just want to throw in there. I mean, the academy, mm. right? Starting off in the academy where you get these young recruits and be able to do trainings in the academies. Um, that's that's where you should be starting off, and then follow up stuff. That's where you should oh be. My God. It, and, and Linda, it doesn't even it doesn't even stem from the academy. Jenny and I are a proponent for mental health. Yeah. With fourth and fifth graders. Yeah. Understanding yes. mental health is so important. Yeah. So anybody, no matter what profession you go into, Linda, that there's some education around mental health. So even the people that go into the academy, yes. I agree. Have some mental health training when they go into the academy, but already have some education in our system, in our world. Yes. Of that's yes. People understanding what mental health is. I totally and agree. that's the biggest problem. No matter what profession, you know, no matter where you come from, what your cultural background is, it's the education from a young age just like we teach physical health and what's good for your body, whether we take it in, you know, what we eat and what we put in our system for our physical health. Why aren't we teaching mental health from fourth grade on, fifth grade on? Why is it in a class or a half a semester in high school? So no matter what you go to, so when you go to the academy, yes, we can have Have some knowledge behind it, right? Yeah. We're, as a society, as a whole, we're so uneducated on what mental health is yeah, because of the stigma and the barriers around it. So it, 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 you know, as much as it comes from the top down, we want it to come from the bottom up. We want people to be educated, you know, and, and if, if we have young recruits going into the system and they would allow us to do a mental health class for young recruits, imagine how helpful that would be. Yeah. And imagine sitting to a young guy next to a young recruit and saying 
okay, this guy next to you might be the guy in the car with you that responds to a serious situation. Do you want his mental health to be well, mm-hmm. to responding to that? And the guy's going to go, of course I do. You know, yeah. he's my backup or he's my, he's yep. my, you know, of course you want the best mental health for the person next to you. Yeah. Whether it's a police officer or when I worked with the, the army and the Navy, you know, your, your combat, your combat buddy, you need good mental health to be good physically and to respond to things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's a long line of, yes, Start education early. Yeah. Which so is why I brought up the schools. I, I, well, and I'm glad you brought up the, the recruits. Yeah. If you graduate from the police academy or you're going to be an EMT or a firefighter, along with the safety, the physical safety and the safety that is drilled into you, safety is paramount. Safety first is what they're taught. Mental health safety is just as important because it controls, you know, your whole body. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to figure that out. We're, we're <laughs> going to we're going to have to figure that out. How we're going to get Plymouth County into the uh, Paul and Jenny, I should say, into the academies to teach these. And I just want to add also before Jay chimes in here because we we start to. I'm hugging the microphone here tonight. Um, is that when you go to a training? with Jenny and Paul, it's top-notch training. It's not just, it's top-notch. Every training I have done, I have all the way, I've done two-day trainings, I've done full-day trainings, I've done a couple of hour trainings in different times. And if people know me, I don't take time off work very often, but I take time off when there's a training available that I can go to, especially that's free. And, um, but... And again, it just increases my knowledge and education on mental health, which is very, very important. Well, thank you for <laughs> but, saying so. But no, I, I appreciate you guys. I, I'm always totally engaged from start to finish in the trainings that I've done. So I, I appreciate you guys. One of the things I always think that we forget to say, sorry, one of the things that um, we sometimes forget to say is that all of these programs we deliver are evidence-based. It's not programs that we, del- you know, that we came up with. Yeah. They're coming from the National Council for Mental Well-Being out of Washington, D.C., or they're coming out of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And we, we have to take courses to really you know, learn them, and we have to keep up with our certifications yeah. so that we have the best knowledge, too. Yeah. And all your data comes from there too, like any yes. uh, any of the data that you um, present in your trainings. That all comes from where? Some of it comes from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Some of it comes from the World World Health Organization, or even the Center for Disease Control. Yeah. So it, it even the VA system when we work with our veterans, a lot of the stats that we get that's all from the VA system. Yeah. So it's all valid information. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. I've attended a number of your trainings as well, and uh, I'm sure I was better off for it each time. Um, there's clearly a lot of passion that goes into your, into your work. Um, it's clear to me, and I think everybody in those classrooms, that there's some purpose behind it. 
I'm wondering if you guys would be willing to share a little bit about what led you into this type of work. Whatever you're comfortable sharing. Sure. Um, back when my son was 16 years old, he is now 31, he actually attempted to take his life twice within a period of two weeks. The school had no resources for me. I had no resources. Um, thankfully, you know, he's doing very well. He's actually going for his master's in psychology now. Nice. Um, yeah, he, he's phenomenal. I'm so proud of him. But two years after that happened, um, I lost my 15-year-old niece to suicide. And about a year after Allie's passing was when the coalition was starting in Plymouth. And someone told me, I have to go. And I went. Wow. And basically, that's how it started. My passion's there now, so. Okay, wow. So that's a short story. So, <laughs> so basically, Powerful. you know, not just getting into, you know, uh, working with the coalition, but it's personal to you also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, my family, my kids were the same age as my, you know, my daughter and my yeah. niece were very close. And watching her go through, I guess I'll, I'll never forget the scream that came out of her mouth when we had to tell her. And dealing with everything the next few days and seeing all those kids that same age, going through a loss that is unimaginable. Yeah. I was, I don't want a family to do that. Yeah. I don't want to have to have another family go through it. Unfortunately, it is happening. But if I can be out there and stop one person or help one family that's going through this loss, I'm there. Yeah. For free. For free. And and also, Incredible. like, bringing the awareness out in the communities, right, that there is resources available and, and to try and prevent that, right, the Suicide Absolutely. Prevention Coalition, right? So trying to prevent a suicide um, by reaching the communities and educating them that there is resources out there and you can be a help you don't have to have that degree so i i love everything that you guys are doing paul do you want to share do you want to chime in the reason that you are here linda is for you know a loss in your life yeah and it propels most of us in this field of of, of suicide prevention because we have lost someone yeah no one goes into the field of psychology going, I want to do suicide prevention because that's the choice of psychology I want to take. Yeah. And I shouldn't say nobody, but most of us go into it because we have lived experience. Yeah. As you do. And as Jenny does. And it and it touched me close in my life when I lost a good friend and a um a work colleague to suicide. Um, and I was at a loss. Yeah. I was just, you know, after knowing the person for, for a few years and working with for you for a few years and being a, a friend and a colleague and being the last one to be with him before he took his life, it, it shocked me and it, it disturbed me. And I had all sorts of emotions that we all have when we lose someone to suicide. Yeah. You know, what could I have done? Should I have noticed something? You know, mm -hmm. why wasn't I there for them? And mm -hmm. it made me question that and then work into the field of 
wanting to help others like Jenny, just wanting to help educate people on mental health and signs and warning signs or symptoms of suicide and how we can help others in the community. Yeah. And it's just branched into all of what we've talked, you know, in the last hour, hour and a half yeah. about. Uh, so it's, it's unfortunate that we have to get to this point for a lot of us to understand it. Mm-hmm. But when you do and you live through it, there's nothing more important yeah. than, as Jenny said, of if I could save one person yeah. or if I could help one per- one family that goes through what we had to go through. Yeah. And it, it, it matters, you know. And it does matter. And I will keep doing it if it's one more family or one more person. Yeah. I, I hear you, Paul. I totally relate with just what you said. Um, and Jenny, um, again, it's, that's why I'm doing this. That's why Jay is here. That's why we're doing Hope Beyond the Badge. Um, you know, yeah, we are sort of trying to re- reach first responders because that's what my loss was for, right? Um, losing Alex um, and where I'm coming in. And I have an opportunity to actually speak with a lot of first responders um, in the work environment that I'm in on a daily basis. Um, so it's an opportunity for to to have a chat with them every now and again or just greet them with a a smile or a cup of coffee or whatever it might be, maybe it just might make their day a little bit easier because you just never know what they're going through. And and it has just basically manifested into into this, right, into the podcast. And um, and I'm happy it has because um, I'll never stop talking either. I know that, Linda. And I want to take a moment and please... Please end the end the program with us thanking you, thank not you. you thanking us for being here. I want to thank you for what you and Jay are doing. It is so important. It's so passionate for us to get the word out. Uh, and and beyond the badge is such a great uh, way to honor your loss yep. and to support others in first responders, police, military, the high-risk, you know... Culture. Culture that that, that breeds. So we want to thank you for what you're doing, and and thank you for inviting us. It's it's our pleasure to to be part of this. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in so much and uh, taking your time out of um, a long work day. Um, I know we're all passionate about what we're doing, and uh, I hope we, we have many more uh, conversations um, down the road. And we, I know that anytime I can pick up a phone and call you and reach out to you for some assistance in whatever area that might need it, um, I know you're, you'll always answer the phone. Yeah, thank you both for taking the time to come in and speak with us today and uh, sharing your mission to promote suicide prevention, intervention, and awareness. Until next week. Until next week. Until next week. Thank awesome. You. Thank you, guys.